Wagman. It's good to see you guys. Um, I want to thank God for something before I get in the message. Uh, my wife, Scarlett, is flying back from Minnesota right now. I think she's watching. I love you, beauty. Um, she spoke at, uh, at a women's event last night, which she does all the time. She's never not back by Saturday afternoon. She said she'd met a few women. She was like, I'm certain these women are seekers. And uh, she's like, I hope that they meet Jesus. And then she texted me this morning that several women got to meet Jesus for the first time while she was in Minnesota. Like, that's the whole point of the created world. Exalt yourself, oh God. It's so amazing. I can't get over it. I mean, it happens all the time. But every time it happens, it's the, it's the it's here. We are continuing in our series, Living Hope. I've already decided I can't preach in my vest. <laughs> Sorry, Nathan. I gave it a shot. I gave it a shot. Uh, so, yeah, we're in Living Hope. We're walking through the book of First Peter. And I want to give you a heads up here at the front of the message. The word politics will come up today. Remember, in the book of First Peter, Peter was writing to a people who had been rescued by God who had been rejected by their culture. And today we're going to look at the reality of living as a rescued but rejected people and an elected but exiled people as it relates to government. We are being made into something new as a part of a new kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. We are sons and daughters of God, but we're still Americans, I would assume most of us are. We're citizens of a country while we are living for our forever home. And the passage that we are a country that is not our forever home. And to get us thinking in that direction, I want to talk about free will Baptist intramural volleyball. That's right. Free will Baptist intramural volleyball. I spent three semesters of my college career at a Free Will Baptist Bible College with about, about 180 students. Um, but while attending a Free Will Baptist Bible College with 180 students, I was asked to play on an intramural volleyball team, and I did. And I'd have to say, most likely of all the teams that I've ever been on, that was the team that made the least sense for me. It was a team I did not belong on. Why didn't I fit? We start there. At like at all. The, the major, and if you are, we'll all be together in heaven, I believe, but the major theological distinctive of the free will Baptist denomination is called modified Arminianism. Doesn't really matter for the text today, but for the sake of the illustration, they, they believe that a Christian can, but probably won't become a non-Christian. So a true Christian can, on a rare occasion, become a non-Christian. I really, really don't believe that. Again, that's not the point of the sermon. But like for the sake of the illustration and the fit, understand that the, at the very core of the way I view life is the truth. But I was on a free will Baptist intramural volleyball team. Second, I did not think there should be an intramural volleyball team at all. <laughs> I didn't understand the point. It was volleyball. There were only three teams in the league. I thought it was a waste of time, but my friends wanted to do it, so I did it with them, even though I thought they were not believe what they believed, and not only did I not value what they valued, but I wasn't even good at volleyball. <laughs> Apparently, this is true, there's a lot of Christian high schools with guys' volleyball teams, and these guys were awesome, <laughs> and I was really bad. Um, 
I was not, was take point for the other. Heatedly and without mercy. My serve was essentially an automatic point for the other team, and my team never won a single game. <laughs> to recap, we're getting somewhere. I didn't believe what they believed. I didn't value what they valued. Guess what? I was fine with it. In fact, I probably hadn't thought about that team for 14, 15 years until it came to mind because of this passage. I didn't despair because my serves were laughed at by dozens of free will Baptists. I was not crushed by our defeats, though they were many, because I was convinced that free will Baptist intramural volleyball was not my future, right? I knew that free will Baptist intramural volleyball could not give to me or take from throughout the history of the church have found themselves in the cultural, political equivalent of a free will Baptist intramural volleyball team. The stakes are undoubtedly higher, of course, but the conflict carries through. Our culture increasingly doesn't believe what we believe. What we do in many ways is at odds with what they do. And over and over again, followers of Jesus have been marginalized, even attacked by the world around them because we don't fit the belief system. We don't fit the value structure. We don't live the same lives as the culture at large. In fact, the fact that that was the church. This is not our true team. And yet, as we're about to read in 1 Peter chapter 2, the Bible says that we are to live in hope while honoring the culture that doesn't make sense for us. And the reason that we're able to do that is the same no, and I hope we know free will Baptist volleyball. We know, and I hope we know and remember, relearn, re-remember, that no government, no country, no culture is able to give to us or take from us the things that matter most. In Jesus, we have something extreme end of cultural marginalization, political oppression, right? The Christians Peter was writing to faced hostility from the general Roman population. They didn't fit with the customs of the culture. They were discriminated against. Somewhere, as I told you in week one, somewhere around the time Peter wrote this letter, the Roman Empire started Christians and wrapping them in oil and setting them on fire. That was this. But no country, no government, no culture can give to us or take from us that which matters most. And in 1 Peter 2, verses 11 through 25, we see Peter writing to rejected Christians that they don't fit. And in doing so, he's going to give us right now today in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, the opportunity to get a better perspective on living in a kingdom, this kingdom in which we live. So I'm going to read a long passage to you right now so we can remember that we have greater things than any government or any country can give to us. Dear friends, I urge you as strangers and exiles to abstain from sin. We don't want to be those things. That is who we are. 
from sinful desires that wage war against the soul, conduct yourselves honorably among the Gentiles so that when they slander you as evildoers, they will observe your good submit to every human authority because of the Lord, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors as those sent out by him to punish those who do what is evil and to praise those who do what is good for it is God's will that you silence the ignorance of foolish people by doing good. Submit, again, God's slaves. Honor everyone. Love the brothers and sisters. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Household slaves, submit to your masters with all reverence, not only to the good and gentle ones, but also to the cruel. For it brings favor. If because of... A consciousness of God, someone endures grief from good and suffer. If you endure it, this brings favor with God. For you were called to this because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He did not commit sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. And when he was insulted, he did not insult in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but entrusted himself to the one who just judges just so that having died to sins, we might live for righteousness by his wounds." You have been healed. Hey, remember, for you were like sheep going astray, but you have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. And that whole section is about living honorably and submissively in a culture that doesn't fit who we are. So what we're going to do is we're going to walk back through that text and see three reasons that we can hope, even in the culture in which we live, that will still work, even if it gets much, much worse by the time we're so far away, you can't fathom it. (laughs) This is not our team. This world is not our home. We submit and we honor because our hope is far better and far beyond this moment. First, we get to see that we have a greater citizenship. But we have a greater citizenship. Look again at verses 11 and 13. Dear friends, I urge you as strangers and exiles, and then submit to every human authority because of the Lord. We are strangers and exiles who submit to human human authority. Now, put yourselves in the shoes of these early Christians. They're being persecuted by their neighbors, by their government. And Peter says, submit. He says, through the Holy Spirit, to honor this leadership. These are the people he's talking about are the ones that kill Peter. How in the world? How in the world? The answer is pretty simple. I may be about to drink after somebody. The Roman Empire was not their real. Peter says submit, not because emperors are awesome, not because this culture is so important. He says to, to submit to every human authority because of the Lord, right? He speaks of government. But he does so in a way that lifts our eyes higher than the government. Thank God. Peter reminds us as he encourages us to be submissive 
that we don't just have a governor or a president or a senate. We have a Lord. And he's, of course, referring to Jesus. And he's reminding us, therefore, that Jesus, it's a heavenly country. It's a better kingdom. So Peter says you can be submissive and give honor in this country in light of the fact that Jesus has given us a better country, a better citizenship, a better people, a better future than we experience right now. Philippians 3, 20 through 21 says this, our, like explicit, ours there, the Lord Jesus Christ, he will transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject everything to himself, be subject to human authority in the Lord Oh, by the way, that Lord has the power that enables him to subject everything to himself. Literally forever. Glory forever. Joy forever. Love forever. McDonald's is great. But this country doesn't compare. How could we fear too much or love too much? Peter's use of the words strangers and Lord can remind us we have a heavenly citizenship, that our heavenly citizenship is greater. But in verse 18, he also said, Christ also suffered for you. Verse 24, he wrote, he himself bore our sins in his body, required to gain citizenship into God's country is also greater. Our citizenship, our truest citizenship Citizenship cost more. Let's talk about Lee Greenwood. <laughs> I'm never thirsty when I preach, and then it's politics. My childhood through my, through my college years, there was a Hiltabital family reunion in Raccoon Township, Illinois, uh, every 4th of July weekend. Um, hundreds of Hiltabitals, if you can believe it. All, the, all that there are, they were there. There's not many piles of potluck, and every year, uh, just before the fireworks, huge Hiltabedalian fireworks, an American, it was a highlight of my year, guys. <laughs> For whatever reason, as a kid, that was just like, ah, you know? I didn't like the reunion at all. It was awful, but it was worth it to hear Lee Greenwood blaring on a summer night in southern Illinois. I would cry. I'm proud to be an American where at least I- next to you and defenders to there ain't no doubt I love this land and I'm 11 years old like what do I do with these feelings you know the tears but you know what I think about that song differently these days I mean it's still true it's almost unfathomable that people died for the freedom that we have and not worried about getting arrested because of that it's incredible But since those early 4th of Julys, I've learned I have a truer country. This is great. It's great. It's not going to last, and I don't need it to. It makes me think of something vastly. The universe died. And he didn't just die for us. He died instead of us. It was going to be him or us. Jesus died on the cross so that we could have him and he could have us in his better kingdom and all that that means for forever. There's pride in being. It's a blessing. I'm grateful. It's a blessing to be a part of this temporary nation. But there is hope for forever. 
in your true citizenship. So Peter says, yes, honor the emperor. Honor your government because you have something greater. Submit not because, submit not because the government controls you, but you have a heavenly ever can. You have a true Lord. You have a heavenly home. I want us to be so much better at how we think about politics. We have a citizenship that so transcends that of this earth that a commission full of joy, we live in honor, full of hope because we have a better country, we have a better citizenship. The second thing I want us to see is that we have a greater freedom. Greater freedom. Look at verse 16. He says, submit again. Submit as free people, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but as God's slaves. Into prison. And Peter says, make sure you live as people who are free. And these exiles could have been like, we're trying. They keep actually throwing us in jail. But to understand what Peter was saying, and then therefore to understand our freedom, you've got to get the connection that Peter makes in this verse. He's a servant of God. It's absolutely critical as elect exiles that we understand that these two thoughts go together. We live as free people because we are servants of God. We have a greater freedom because we are slaves of God. We have a tendency to think of freedom as because it involves restrictions means it can't be freedom. But here's the thing we need to get. No one is free. No one is free because everyone is restricted by something. Everyone is mastered by something. There is no such thing on this earth as ultimate freedom in that sense because we were designed to experience freedom by being mastered. Experience freedom by being mastered. Check out Romans 6, 16 through 18. I, got, I have a couple extra words today, so I'm trying to move faster. Don't you know that if you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of that one you obey, either of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to right. from the heart that that pattern of teaching to which you were handed over, having been set free from sin, you became enslaved to righteousness. This is saying that you're going to be a slave either to sin or to God. You will be mastered by something. So being free then comes down to no matter what. So which master has free? Let me give you an example. Say the doctor tells you that you need to go on a plant-based diet or you'll have a heart attack in six months. Of course, you don't want the diet because food's awesome. And you want to be free to, you can choose the diet and your food will be restricted, or you can choose to eat whatever you want and your lifespan will be restricted, right? Which restriction brings freedom? Be slave to the vegetables and live in freedom. Freedom is all a matter of mass. Who loves you, who's already proven all the way possible on the cross that he loved you by dying so that you could know joy? So that means elect exiles that prison, persecution, even death can't take your freedom because it can't keep you away from Jesus. Or give us freedom. Because the freedom we were made for is the life of God that he provides for his people. 
doesn't have, you, our next November doesn't have anything to do with that. In the, in, we could live in any country and be the freest people on earth. So we, have, we remember that we have a greater citizenship. We remember that we have a greater freedom. And lastly, we remember we have a greater king, a greater king. Read verse 17. This, I, all that I had to say so I could get to this part. This is my favorite part. Verse 17, honor everyone, love the brothers and sisters, fear God. position jumps off the page. Focus on those last five words, fear God, honor the emperor. Look at the difference between our posture toward God compared to earthly leaders. Fear God, honor the emperor. The only one who is to be feared is already don't need to fear any of the politicians that talk on our TVs at night. Man, I hope you walk away way less afraid of the news. If we really understand who God is, we can easily, ease, I'm telling you, there are very few things, and I've told you this, I gotta preach a lot of stuff I'm awful at, and I'm gonna do it again. But this week, I would almost say, follow me as I follow Christ. Like, you can easily honor any emperor. Do you honor the president? Do you honor the last president? At your home at night, man, we have a better king. At your home at night, when you see the president. If we fear our leaders, we have it backward. We have it backward. We honor, we respect the emperor or the governor or the president because we fear, we revere the God of the universe. I'm going to unpack this a little bit more. We can honor any president by the king that rules the world, and we don't act like we believe that between 6 o'clock and 10 o'clock with our TVs on. Elect exiles. The God you worship is the God who rules We fear God because he is all-powerful. We revere God because he alone is worthy. We worship human leaders are absolutely insignificant compared to him. Nobody's ever been elected president and God was like, oh no, that's not who I was going to vote for. What is this going to do to my plan? God does Oh, get it in your heart. God does what he always does. He rules the country. Remember that infinitely above it all is a God who reigns forever. There is a king who's in charge. The Bible has an incredible example of this. This is Daniel 4, 30 through 33. Check out the greater king. Oh, this is good for your heart. This is King Nebuchadnezzar. Emperor king exclaimed, Is this not Babylon the great that I have built to be a royal residence by my vast power and for my majestic glory? While the words were still in the king's mouth, a voice came from heaven. King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is declared that the kingdom has departed from you. You for kingdoms and periods of time until you acknowledge that the Most High is ruler over human kingdoms and he gives them to anyone he wants at that moment. The message against Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He was driven away from people. He ate grass like cattle and his body was drenched with the dew from the sky until his hair grew like eagle's feathers and his nails like of Babylon. He was literally ruler of everything he saw. 
he might not have known there was world he wasn't in charge of. I didn't look into that. But he basically said, I rule the world. And then God decided to show the emperor of Babylon had actually happened. God basically made Nebuchadnezzar go insane. And he lost his mind and he lived outdoors and he could not leave his, lead his kingdom until God decided to give it back to him again. This is the very next verse, Daniel 4. These are King Nebuchadnezzar's own words. But at the end of those days, praised the most high and honored and glorified him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion and his kingdom is from generation to generation. The Babylonian emperor said God's dominion is an everlasting dominion. The most high rules over the kingdom verse on the subject. We can live in hope in a world where we don't belong because we do already have a king. In November, preaching far enough, this is just the next text, but it's far enough in advance. We're going to go to the polls, but I already know who's in charge. Hey, God never promised that all your favorite laws would be passed. In fact, he kind of strongly implied the opposite. Fear God, honor the emperor. God never promised to make your culture love you. Fear God, honor the emperor. Hope in Jesus, not an election. After you vote, so fast forward, we're going to do that thing that we always do. Here's two things that are true. If the person you don't vote for win, the Lord has allowed to rule over us. Politics don't have to stress us out at all. The most high rules over the kingdoms of... This makes me weirdly emotional. (laughs) I've watched Fox News with too many people I love. (laughs) He gives the thing, oh, thank you, Jesus. Whoever wins... What? Guess what we know? Someday, that man or long shot woman, whoever wins, will literally, truly get a king and declare with their mouth that he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Anyone who is ever elected has that absolute destiny of bowing and proclaiming the income. If you're unhappy on Inauguration Day, think about that Inauguration Day. It's a moment. The king, he is the greater king. Jesus is the king who rules the world. Jesus is the king who secures his people. Jesus is is king today. Jesus will still be king tomorrow. Jesus will still be king when time doesn't mean anything anymore. The Babylonian emperor, the Babylonian empire of Nebuchadnezzar is gone. It's gone. You have to like go to Wikipedia to learn about it. The The Roman empire the Federal Democratic Republic of the United States will one day be gone. 
which kingdom has your heart? Because the kingdom of Jesus will never end. So Jesus gives us a greater country, a greater citizenship, a greater freedom. Jesus is the great true country with hope. Before we pray and before we sing, maybe you're here today and you don't have a relationship with God through Jesus. Jesus isn't yet your true king. You can have the greatest hope in Jesus. You can have the greatest freedom in Jesus. You can have the greatest king in Jesus. You just need to see that you need him. See that you need him. And, and, and if you want to come forward while we sing, one of our leaders would love to help you with that. But for those of you who are here and who already know Jesus as Savior and King, let's pray that he will help us live submissively, honorably, joyfully, and hopefully as the elect exiles that we are, putting too much hope in this fleeting kingdom. Or if there's anything else in your life, physical, emotional, spiritual, that you need prayer for, come forward as we sing. One of our leaders would love to pray for you. But let me pray for us now, and then we'll stand and sing to our great king together. Father, there is nobody like you. It is, it is so easy to struggle to not see this world as a small, momentary world. I pray that this would be a moment in this instance around our culture but in all the instances where we tend to, to take you off your throne or to minimize your glory, that we would see you high and lifted up on the throne of the universe. God, I pray that it would fill us with joy that you, the great king, I pray that we would hope in you. I pray that we would experience freedom in you. I pray that we would be people of joy in the culture around us, that we would, so to speak, live honorably amongst the Gentiles so that they would glorify you. Jesus, thank you. We pray. And we sing in the name of Christ. Amen.